Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another week of Kingdom Keys. Here with uh, me, Maurice Elston, our other friend, Nate Christensen, and our other friend, Price Carter, all from Arrowhead Pride. Uh, thank y'all for joining us another week where we jump into the keys to, to an Arrowhead and a Kansas City Chiefs victory, right? A little tough week last week. Didn't turn out the way that we wanted to turn it out, but good thing about football and moves fast, so you jump right to the next week. So hopefully the Chiefs will watch this and watch our keys and listen to us again and listen to us a little bit more this week. And, um, and, and get us a victory this week against the Broncos. Let's jump right into it, um, Nate. What are we looking like as far as um, injuries and uh, any updates there for, for injuries this week? Yep, our own uh, Arrowhead Pride Pete Sweeney tweeted this out a little bit ago. No setbacks for anyone from the Chiefs yesterday. So reading off the injury report, the only limiteds were Nick Bolton with a groin injury and Kadarius Tony with a hamstring injury. I'm going to guess he's probably limited again today, that, again today being Tony. So I don't know about his status for this week. We'll just kind of see there. But everyone else should be good to go. For the Broncos, I mean, they have the most players on IR this year already. And Nathaniel Hackett, head coach said that Corlin Sutton was not playing this week for the Broncos. And, I mean, Denver's offense is really bad, but that's their only real playmaker right now with Javante Williams, Tim Patrick. Everyone else is already out. So that's a big loss. Jerry Judy was limited for them, but I believe he did play last week. But yeah, from the Chiefs' sense, it's good to see them health getting healthy going into the playoffs. Hopefully, we get McCole Harmon next week. Hopefully, Kadarius Tony can get over the hamstring thing here soon. But yeah, for Denver, they're extremely beat up, and if they lose Sutton, I'm just we'll get there. But I'm not sure how they move the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I I I, I definitely hope uh, Tony's um able to to get right back in there. I, I'm pretty sure even if he plays this week, it'd probably be like on a, a limited snap snap count. I would think you'll see with him. Same thing if they do bring Hartman back. Um, I know Coach Reed has said that that he was progressing in the right direction. He was back and running. So if they bring him back, um, it'd probably be on a snap count his first week, kind of ease him back in there too. Yeah, and I, I think if you're the Chiefs here, you know, what was lost is lost against the Bengals, right? We, you know, no longer have control of their own fate with the one seed, but what they do have is an easy schedule ahead of them and a pretty healthy roster. You know, Joe Tooney was kind of a surprise inactive during the game, but uh, with Tony and Hardman, that's an element of their offense. They've both been missing desperately. I would be surprised, honestly, if they push Tony a lot in this stretch. I mean, at this point, I think you just give him the Sammy Watkins treatment and say, hey, know the playbook can be right for the for the playoffs um just given his track record and also like the chiefs have very little invested in him and weren't really expecting to have this type of player on the roster at this point in the year same with mccall hardman uh the typical andy reed thing is you come off of ir and you practice for a week you don't play the next week so the kind of the last two big games the chiefs have is against the seahawks which is kind of a salty game in arrowhead christmas eve i think that's where we see mccall hardman probably come back and same thing there. Take it slow with Hardman and Tony. Slow play this for the long haul that is the playoffs because having those two guys back was um, it's definitely very obvious in the red zone as we've addressed here before. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely think that's that, that's the right call there. So we shall see. But we're getting healthy. Now, and that, that, that's the main thing there. 
So, so Price, let's jump into these keys, man. Let, let, let's start with you, man. What are, what are some key? What do you feel like is a key to a, a Chiefs victory this week? Well, you know, when you look at the Denver Broncos, it's it's a lot of fun to sit back and laugh, and I, I think that's kind of most of what Chiefs analysis, Chiefs fans analysis has been of the Broncos this year, right? Just kind of tilt our head backs and laugh at what the situation is. There's a lot of things that have went wrong for the Broncos. Um, one thing that I frequently bring up is people cite the amount of players they have on the IL and kind of or the IR, excuse me, and how that is related to the players that they brought in. You know, they were depending on a lot of aging players. Randy Gregory did exactly what he does. He plays half the season and gets hurt. Um, you know, you're relying on those type of players. They're going to get hurt a lot. But with that being said, I'm going to start with kind of what the, the, you know, the lone strength of the Broncos is, and that's the defense here. More specifically, how it relates to what the Chiefs are doing here. Very quietly, the Chiefs have a problem on their hands that has kind of developed here the last couple of weeks. I'm going to read some numbers here, see if you can notice a trend. Gerald Everett, five catches for 29 yards. Darren Waller, three catches for 24 yards. George Kittle, four catches for 28 yards. Now I'm going to read some other numbers, see if you can catch my catch my drift here. Five catches for 73 yards, Debo Samuel. Devontae Adams, nine catches for 101 yards. Alec Pierce, eight catches for 81 yards. Something named Nick Westbrook-Akina, five catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 141 yards, two touchdowns. DJ Moore, four catches, 103 yards, one touchdown. In case you haven't caught on yet, the Broncos do not give it up to tight ends. There's some pretty good tight ends. Mark Andrews, additionally, um, had just two catches for four yards against the Ravens last week. Now, without Lamar Jackson, but still. The Broncos don't give it up to the tight end. The wide receiver, especially a wide receiver one, even though you know Alec Pierce and Nick, Nick Westbrook-Akina don't exactly fit the same bill as Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel, but they will give it up on the outside. Um, but the middle of the field, that's what that's a place where the Broncos are very strong. This is not a type of game that we want to get, we want to rely on Travis Kelsey to be the sole proprietor of the offense with the Chiefs. Additionally, you know, we know that the Broncos defense is really strong. Second in points, third in yards. I think it says a lot about the quality of that roster that even with the the show that is going on on offense, that the defense continues to show up and have pride in itself. Seventh and DVOA for the defense. Now, what I kind of going back to the problem I was referring to, very quietly, the Chiefs have kind of reverted back to what they were a little bit with the Alex Smith offense in the early going, which is almost exclusively being tight end and running back led. Here's the yardage for the offense without tight ends or running backs. So this is no tight ends, no running backs. 130 yards against Cincinnati of offense from the wide receivers in both the passing and the rushing game. 193 yards against the Los Angeles Rams, definitely the highlight. And then 164 yards against the Chargers. In fact, the last time a player not named Travis Kelsey had more than 80 yards receiving was Juju Smith-Schuster against the Tennessee Titans. That was right after the bye. And if you want to go push it all the way to 100 yards, MVS and Juju had 100 yards in San Francisco. The Chiefs are going to go as far as those wide receivers are going to carry them. You know, a lot of us have not sat here and talked about the Tyree Kill trade because I think we all feel that the Chiefs have done very well without Tyree Kill. But the wide receivers are the thing that is going to make or break this offense. And I think this little spell here that we have is a great opportunity to get back to those wide receivers and getting them incorporated. We haven't seen a lot out of Juju Smith-Schuster. We're still waiting to see it from Sky Moore. We know Tony and Hardman are part of this solution, but ultimately the Chiefs cannot rely on Travis Kelsey to carry them in this game because they've got a lot of good players at the middle, including Justin Simmons. Um, and I expect to see some of Patrick Sertan on Travis Kelsey as well. So this is a great game to get those wide receivers involved. 
and rely on them to carry the load against a very strong defense. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I didn't know all that about the tight ends and wide receivers, but kind of going back to like, it feels like at least when like Vic Vangio was head coach, they always defended Kelsey pretty well. I, I didn't like run through all the stats and stuff, but like they would they would press Travis Kelsey a lot, beat him up like a lot of teams try and do, but it always kind of worked for them. And, you know, Ajero Evero, I don't believe he comes directly from a Fangio tree, but they run kind of a similar defense. Um, they play a lot of cover three. So they'll probably drop a guy like Justin Simmons in the middle of the field. And, um, you know, potentially they put somebody right on Kelsey, maybe even just Simmons directly and take him out. Um, they put a lot on their cornerbacks, which Patrick Sertan, he, he's been good, but lately he's actually kind of not been quite as good. Um, the other cornerback, I can't remember. It's something Harris, but you know, not a star or anything like that. They had some injuries there, but yeah, no, I think that is interesting. What you brought up with the Alex Smith thing, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but that kind of makes sense. Like this Chiefs offense doesn't really design a lot of things for their wide receivers right now. I don't know if that's injuries or talent because it did feel like we were turning a corner with Juju. And it's not to say that Juju's been bad or anything like that, but it does feel like we're a lot more tight end based lately. And if the Broncos who defend that well, they're going to put something, they're going to ask guys like Juju, MBS, Justin Watson, Sky Moore to, you know, beat Patrick Sertan, maybe try and win vertically, which is something we just haven't seen a lot from these wide receivers. So that's an interesting point. And yeah, I think this would be a week for the wide receivers to step up. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I didn't, I didn't know the, 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 the Broncos, the Denver Broncos was doing that great against tight end. That's, that, that's, that's crazy. And kind of just directly counters what we're what we're trying to do, you know, by getting Travis Kelsey and making them focus. And I've noticed they kind of went away from the wide receivers a little bit. You know, that's kind of like why last week I pointed to me a key to the victory was going to be the use of Juju and the use of Sky more and more of getting it to our receivers. And I think that in turn, I think Juju had three catches and Sky Moore had zero last week, right? So I, I think it goes back to that really. Juju was turning the corner. It kind of felt like before the, the concussion. And it seems like since he's come back from the concussion, it was, of course, an ease into the game the, the, the week before last. And then last game, even then, it just seemed like he wasn't necessarily a big focal point of the offense. When it seems like when Mahomes does go his way, it's good results. So it, it, you would think that they would try to turn their corner more and, and get him a, a few more touches. And we all kind of seen with Scott Moore, like, He's one of the, the the few receivers that we have that seem to be able to get off the ball good, beat the press, and and, and beat man-to-man coverage. So I, I really agree with that. I feel like it would be interesting to kind of see how they switch this up because it, it seems like Travis Kelsey will be bracketed again like he much was like for the most part last week against the Bengals. Right. And with these players, I mean, it's one of those you got to look at their – football reference site and see what they are and kind of realize they are what they are and their numbers are what they say they are. Juju Smith-Schuster is a wide receiver too that has an injury history and he's proven to be just that this year. You know, after the San Francisco game, everyone was lining up to giving him an extension to go through the next year and beyond. Um, you know, I, I still think there's some interest there, but the price has to be right. MVS proved to be exactly what he is. The Marquez Valdez-Scantling experience was on full display in Cincinnati, right? You're smacking your face with the most easy drop and then he makes an excellent go route catch, contested catch. You know, like these players are exactly what they're proving to be. Sky Moore is proving to be one of the, you know, later wide receivers taken in the second round. Doesn't mean any of these players can't be good. And it doesn't mean that they've not had success with the whole, you know, multiplicity, 
multiplicity wide receiver experience here, but ultimately they're kind of proven what to be right now. Travis Kelsey is, you know, enemy number one of all secondaries. Right. And we've seen Andy Reid do an incredible job of getting him open time and time again. And for some reason, the chargers can't seem to figure that out, but um, these other teams, they're, they're not going to let it happen. I think, like we said, this stretch of games here, the chiefs have it all in front of them other than just needing some help from the bills. Uh, so I think they've got to get this straight out. They got to kind of figure out who their go-to guys. And maybe this is the time that Hardman, Tony, Sky Moore really kind of take over the wide receiver position. Absolutely, man. I think that's good. So we shall see. Will they get the wide receivers involved this week and and, and lead to a, to a Chiefs victory? But uh, I really feel like that's a great key that we have there. And and, and hopefully, like I said, the Chiefs need to watch our show. So, <laughs> like Andy Reid, take some pointers from us. Nah. Uh, so Nate. What we got, man? What 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 are you thinking is is a major key to the Chiefs getting the victory this week? So this game is like a game of opposites. So let's talk about red zone. So Denver's offense, we all know. I mean, if you've watched it this year, it's just been atrocious. Like it's legitimately maybe the worst offense in the NFL outside of the Texans. And the Texans are tanking and have no talent. The Broncos just paid two hundred fifty million dollars guaranteed to Russell Wilson. Like this shouldn't be happening. But one area that they're extremely bad in is in the red zone. <clears throat> the red zone offense for the Denver Broncos is tied for last in the NFL at 37.5% of touchdowns. Now, that's absolutely horrible. But if you think the Chiefs defense is any better at stopping touchdowns in the red zone, you're wrong. The Chiefs give up 65.85% touchdowns in the red zone, which is 30th in the NFL. On the other side, Kansas City is fifth in red zone touchdown percentage at 66. 0.4% on offense, but Denver's defense is the by far the best red zone defense in the NFL. They only allow a touchdown 32% of the time. The gap between them and the second team is the same between two and 12. So this game to me comes down to what happens in the red zone. If Kansas City's defense can hold in the red zone, which they just have not done well in the Steve Spagnuolo era for, for whatever reason, they just have always been bad in the red zone since Spags has been here. But this is the one team that might not be able to score against them in the red zone. On the other hand, we know what the Chiefs generally do in the red zone. They've had a few more struggles lately. The Denver's defense is extremely strong, strong in the red zone. I mean, we've all heard the stats. It would be like 9-3 and three if their offense could score 18 points or more because their defense is really, really good. But their offense is just so bad in the red zone. They have to go for three every single time. If you watch the Ravens game last week, they moved the ball decently against a good defense, but they scored nine points because they got down in the red zone three times and had to carry three field goals. But it's not like the Chiefs do exactly a good job. So it's kind of a clash to the Titans here. Like who's going to win in the red zone? Because I think both teams will be able to move the ball in between the 20s fine. The Chiefs better than the Broncos, certainly. But whoever capitalizes in the red zone more will We'll probably win this game because I, I'm going to expect kind of a dogfight style of game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than other people. And I think when we look at the end of the game, it'll be who succeeded in the red zone more was who won this game. Right. And this this is one of those games, right? We I, I don't think any of us here are going to be picking the Broncos to win this game. The, the how is going to matter more than the what, right? The what being the result of the game. If the Chiefs come out here and throw their helmets on the field and think that they're just going to beat the Broncos with a half half game plan, half effort, they're probably not that wrong. But if we're sitting here watching a 21-17 game in the fourth quarter, we're all going to be throwing things 
And, you know, yeah, the Chiefs will win and they'll find a way, but we're all just going to be frustrated on Twitter. It's going to basically feel like an extended loss. The important thing here is the how. The Chiefs absolutely can go into the red zone, kick a bunch of field goals and win just by simply moving the ball between the 20s. You know, they're in Denver. Harrison Butker has been kicking a little bit better here of late. It's possible. But I definitely think that, again, going on the theme of looking for ways to improve the team, they definitely need to figure it out in the red zone. And, you know, you bring up a good point, the immovable force versus the irresistible force object, right? You're trying to get the really strong defense against really strong offense and vice versa. For the Chiefs defense, there are no excuses for them in the red zone this week. Cortland Sutton is out. That has been, you know, Russell Wilson's favorite talk target. He is the most similar to what he was using in Seattle with uh, the wide receivers there, the, you know, depth, the stretch, the field. They have no KJ Hamler, so their little gadget guy's gone. They're relying on Latavius Murray as the running back because of Javante Williams' injury. Jerry Judy is about all they have besides Greg Dulcich, who, you know, is a tight end that I still wish was on the Chiefs. He's not. They didn't draft him, unfortunately. But there, there's not a lot there. No, no Garrett Bowles at left tackle. Um, there, there really are no excuses for the Chiefs' defense in the red zone. They absolutely should not be sitting here giving up 20-plus points to this offense, especially given the injuries. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that T-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Yeah, I mean, all, all, all that's great, and I and I, I agree, you know, wholeheartedly with both things. I I think, like, really, the you know, hopefully, the return of Tony this week, that it, his snapster may be limited coming the red zone, and I think that's really where we really miss like that 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 horizontal you know speed and distractions even just like that a Hardman presents or a Tony can present for you to make the defense have to respond to that. Well, because I think well, like that's when when you seen Tony and then Hardman go out, both of them go out, and then even Clyde Edwards Hilaire, when you see all three of those go out, that's when you see the Chiefs started to really start to have those struggles in the red zone without those three players on offense. So it's a test to kind of some packages that may be in the design for those those guys that is not getting ran anymore. 
and and the Chiefs defense definitely. I mean, you don't want you don't want to go in there and let the the Broncos make us look bad in the red zone as we've been. You don't want a bad offense making the making our defense look worse than what it's been in the red zone. Like I, I fully expect the Chiefs to definitely take this win and, and, and go after it, but. It's going to have to come down to kind of what they said. How do we perform in the red zone on both sides? And, and the Chiefs should win on both sides in the red zone. They should be able to score on the Broncos and in the red zone. And they also should be able to get stops forth on the Broncos in the red zone as well. So what what my, my key, it kind of goes right into this, like, you know, with the defense. Um, I think the key to victory is this week is what I, what, what you have seen really in the Chiefs um, three losses is poor tackling. Like, I, I want to say, looking at you know, you, you could take P, P, PFF, you know, the professional, you know, the the pro was a pro football focus. You could take that with a grain of salt, you know, sometimes with how they score things and things like that. But they had the Chiefs this um last week and against the Bengals, missing thirteen tackles, three by Sneed, and then you had two apiece by Justin Reed, Thornhill, uh, Willie Gay, Bowden, and Harris. So our three linebackers combined for a, a six missed tackles and our two safeties combined for four missed tackles and then Sneed who we really depend on his tackling you know around the line of scrimmage and things like that at the nickel position missed three it's going to be hard to win a game in the NFL with double digit missed tackles it's just, it, it just is and like we, we can point the finger at Spags and tell Spags to, you know, that they can do a lot. He can do some things better. But the only thing a coach can do is really put you in a position. You got to you gotta be able to make the play. So, like, you take the the third down play where it's a little bubble screen to Jamar Chase with the game on the line, and you literally have four Chiefs surrounding him and only really two wide receivers for the, the Bengals blocking, and we allow him to get, what, seven yards for a first down on a bubble screen? And you you basically see Juan Thornhill just diving at his ankles. You know, it, it was just poor effort. It was a play where I seen Harris, and he literally looked like he was just trying to play tag football, like two-hand like two touch. It was no just real effort. And we can go days for, the, you know, Justin Reed getting stiff arm into the ground or running up out of control and, and, and missing the tackle. Like, it just looked bad. And it, and it kind of looked like lack of effort and just lack of, of of fundamentals. So I think a key really this week, like I don't care what playmakers Denver do, does and don't have, if you don't tackle, you can make a person that's really not a star look like a star. Like you, you, you can make a person that a, a running back that's not necessarily a star, a great running back, look like an all pro, pro bowl type style running back if you're not going to tackle them. So I think it comes down to, this week for the Chiefs, if they're gonna if they're gonna keep them out of the, the the end zone when we get in the red zone, and even limit how many trips there are to the red zone, we can't be in double digit missed tackles. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up with the Justin Reed play. That was the most frustrating play of the week. He comes from uh, deep alignment, inserts down just like he's supposed to, like on the run play, and is one on one with Samaje P Ryan, who is like a fine running back, but certainly you know he's not you know, Derrick Henry, and he just gets driven into the ground. And it wasn't just missed tackles. It was like the tackles where they would add like three or four extra yards, like pushing the pile or like uh, even the quarterbacks who largely tackle up would like wrap up and then just like pull a guy with him, like an extra two, three yards. It was incredibly frustrating. And you want to see response, right? When you get, I mean, the Chiefs defense was flat out humiliated. The fact that they only gave up 27 points, I honestly think was shocking it could have been so much worse 
but you know, now it doesn't matter, right? It, it's gone. That game is gone. Now you have to respond. And luckily for the Chiefs, there's no Samaj P. Ryan. There's no Jamar Chase. There's no T. Higgins on the Broncos. So come out and just have a good tackling effort, right? I, I haven't looked at field conditions. Hopefully Denver doesn't have like a snowstorm or anything like that, like we've had in the past. Um, but yeah, just look, you they are a limited offense. So I want to make them methodically move down the field, try and score in the red zone. But if you're missing tackles and they're able to get extra yards or explosive plays, that's the way you keep a bad football team around this game. And, you know, the Chiefs can't have a tackling effort like that again if they want to win in the playoffs, regardless of this week. So, you know, you have five games left in this regular season. Fix it. Like, let's get going for the playoffs. You invested all this capital and all this draft picks in guys who theoretically should tackle well. And they haven't so far this year, but, but it doesn't matter, right? You, now you have to do it. Like, it, it, either you do it or you don't. And I think this would be a good week against the bad offense to start the turnaround. Yeah, and I mean, it, really, the missed tackles, they're just, they're just flat-out mental errors almost, you know. The team has, for the most part, tackled well at the beginning part of the year, and it seems to have gotten progressively worse as the season's gone along. Um, additionally with the missed tackles, you're looking at a team that doesn't rely on that very much. Like most of these yards are air yardage that Russell Wilson is throwing. Latavius Murray is old. There's not, there's not a lot there that should make you feel like you have to prevent yak in this game. So wrap up, get it done, bring him down to the ground and, you know, send, get the punter on the field. That's what, that's what Denver's done, especially like as Nate brought up in the red zone. Absolutely. And I think I think it's a step further, like getting the quarterback to the ground. Like I think we allow Joe Burrow to escape some pressure sometime and Russell Wilson's athleticism is not where it used to be. So let's see if we can wrap up there and, and, and get some sacks this week as well. Yeah, to so, your point, 38 sacks given up by the Broncos offensive line this year. That has been sneaky bad. I mean, that's kind of always been one of Russell Wilson's flaws. Um He's not running. Um, it, it's very clear that that element of his, his game has deteriorated. He's not seeing the middle of the field well. The offensive line's get, getting pressure. You know, this is a, game, a nice bounce back game for the Chiefs defensive line after a super disappointing performance in Cincinnati. Yeah, they need to go out here and look and look dominating. So we'll see if they do. So speaking of how they need to go out here and look, what are your predictions, uh, Price? Let, let's start with you. What? How do you think this outcome of this game, and what is your score prediction on this game? Well, like I said, the how is going to matter just as much as the what for us as Chiefs fans, right? Like I'm calling for a Chiefs win, but I think the important thing in this game is that you got to come out here and and leave no doubt. Um, I, I don't think that this has to be some dramatic blowout. The Chiefs are never that type of game. This isn't college football where the BCS is going to kick them out of the Tierros, Tostitos Fiesta Bowl if they don't win by a big enough margin or anything like that. But what's important here is that you don't give a team that has nothing to play for any life. You go out there, you execute early, you go up double digits before half. That way in the second half, they don't – this this team wants to pack it up, okay? They have nothing to play for. It's the end of the season. They're planning their vacations. This is a team full of veterans. This isn't some young team like the Jags who were full of, you know, young players who are still playing for their, their life in the NFL. These guys all got their contracts. If you leave this game close, if it's, you know, a 14-13 dogfight going into halfway through the third quarter – the Broncos are still going to have life in them. They're still completely salty about the streak that exists between the Broncos and the and the Chiefs. They are completely salty that their quarterback stinks, and that defense is still playing with a lot of pride. 
Do not give them a reason to hang out there. There's no reason that this Chiefs defense should not go out there and play well and dominate against the Broncos. Anything less than that, frankly, is a disappointment. I'm calling for Chiefs 27-10. I don't think that, you know, we're going to come away feeling overwhelmed here. But I do think, you know, the Chiefs do enough. The offense shows some promise in the beginning. I expect Andy will put the playbook away in the second half and just kind of rely on those running backs. Low-key Melvin Gordon revenge game, question mark? It's possible. All right, Jay, what do you think, man? I agree with everything Price is saying. Unfortunately, I've watched the Chiefs for a long time. This is a total shutdown game for the Chiefs. It is going to be a total slog fest. They are not going to come out with great energy. Andy Reid is going to have this shut down. The Chiefs defense, I would not be surprised if they give up 10 points in the first quarter because this is just a typical Chiefs game where, especially after a loss like that, I know you would think like they should have energy and come out, but we know the Chiefs, like this is just not a game that's going to matter to them too much. I, I still expect them to win, have them winning 23 to 14, but I think it's just going to be a slog fest. I, I don't think the offense is going to perform particularly well, especially outside of like the opening script. Um, I do think hopefully we force a turnover or two this week. I do hope that's kind of the difference in the game. I do think the Chiefs, you know, potentially struggle early on defense, but the Broncos don't have much on offense. They could have probably a couple of good drives where they have a good script and they have a good game plan and then Chiefs make adjustments and they just don't have the talent to make counter adjustments. And I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. The Broncos are bad. They're going to pull this out one way or another. So yeah, anyways, I do have the Chiefs winning 23-14. It's a game that we probably none of us will feel good about afterwards, but in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't really matter too much. Um, You know, we had the division locked up and things like that, but Yep, I still have the Chiefs winning, and it'll be comfortable in the end. But it, it'll be kind of a, a frustrating three hours at three, you know, three p.m. in Kansas City. I agree. I I, I kind of agree both ways. I feel like the the Chiefs will kind of make a statement, and but I think it'll be late. So I believe I, I believe Broncos jump out to like maybe a, a 10-0, 10-3 lead. Then we we end up going into halftime like fourteen to ten, and then we make a quick run to get us to like twenty eight. And then Broncos kind of score a touchdown late. And I see I got us like 28-17 is kind of what I'm going to go with. I think it's going to be like a little dog fight where the Chiefs come out flat, lack of days to go, but get enough done to take the lead back right before the halftime, go up like 14-10, and then come out the second half, put up two quick touchdowns before they go into cruise control, and then allow a prevent defense style to get them a, to give the Broncos a touchdown late. And then we end up um, – Winning twenty eight seventeen, I think that's how how it turned out. So 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 speaking of you know locking up the division, I got one more question before we get out of here. So we lock up the division, right? If we win and the and the Chargers lose, right? I think I think I yeah, think yeah. that's the scenario. The Chargers are playing Sunday night football against the Sunday Dolphins. night football against the Dolphins, right? That's right. a horrible matchup for them. <laughs> so it, it, it really is. Let me ask y'all a question. Would you rather, and then we can get out of here, would you rather the Chargers lose this game and let's go ahead and lock up the division and we win? We go, let's say we're going to win no matter what. We would rather the Chargers lose this game so we can go ahead and lock the AFC West up and be done thinking about that. Or would you rather the um or would you rather the Dolphins lose this game so they're not right there on our tail trying to chase the first round by like we are? Well, I think looking at it, the you know the, the Dolphins do have one more loss than the Chiefs do. Um, they are you know one behind the Chiefs in the standings. 
Looking at what the Dolphins have ahead of them schedule-wise, I definitely think that they've got another loss in them. They've got another game against the Bill, the Bills, which their win against the Bills might have been one of the most fluky things I've ever seen as far as the raw numbers go. Um, you know, I think if you're the Chiefs, you definitely want the Chargers to lose here just to clear that hurdle. Um, also, it's kind of fun to be able to celebrate that as Chiefs Kingdom all watching Sunday Night Football together. Um, additionally, I think you want that because – the Raiders are surging a little bit here. They play tonight. We're recording this as of Thursday. They play tonight against uh, Baker Mayfield, led Rams, which is a phrase I did not think I would be saying this year. So, um, you know, I think I think you want the Chargers to be buried as much as possible um, and hopefully keep them out of the playoffs and also keep the Raiders out of the playoffs because I think we saw in the matchup in Arrowhead, the Raiders can do a lot of the similar things that the Bengals can do to the Chiefs uh, as far as run the ball, stretch the ball vertically, all those type of things. So, I personally, yeah, I'm definitely the the Dolphins are in. Like, I, I think the Dolphins are in the playoffs. I think a lot would have to go wrong for them to not make the playoffs, given where they're at right now in the standing. So, I, I I'm not worried about them. They're coming to Arrowhead, whether we're the two seed or the one seed. Yeah, uh, I think I agree about just lock of the division now. They're, they're going to lose one game. I, it's in Buffalo and New England. They're going to lose one of those games. I don't know which. I, I'm going to guess Buffalo, but I wouldn't be surprised they lose one or the other. I. I don't want to play Miami in the playoffs, certainly, but it's a little too far out to try and avoid him or anything like that. So lock up the division, you know, keep it going. Um, you obviously you're down now to Cincinnati and Buffalo. Your margin of error is obviously a lot lower, but it, the goal every year is the minimum to win the division. So doing it, you know, two weeks before Christmas, that's always ideal. So, yeah, I, I think I'll go with that. I, I don't think Miami is a big threat to playoff seating for us because they still have to beat Buffalo in the division. Um, so yeah, let, let's hope for an AFC West. I, we won't get the T-shirts at three o five, unfortunately, or I guess six thirty. Um, so I guess those will probably have to come in Monday. I, I wonder if the guys keep them, or like if there's too many at this point. Like you know, like Travis Kelsey has what like eight of them now. Like that's a lot. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm with y'all. I want us to go ahead and lock up the West. I was just want to pick y'all mind on that. I hope we go ahead and lock up lock up the West. Uh, I do see the Dolphins losing another one. Um, Bill's got a got a tough schedule, and Cincinnati got a tough schedule down the road as well. So, is it both of the all three of those teams, Miami, um, Bengals, and Bills, can possibly lose one more game down this stretch? So let's let the Chiefs go ahead and win out and get that number one seed back. But man, yeah, looking forward to it, man. Those are our, our keys to a Chiefs victory this week. Tune in, let us know what y'all think. Comment, like, and, and, and share your thoughts with us on what you think some keys to victory might be. Let's go out here and see if we can get a Chiefs victory this week. Follow us on Arrow, at Arrowhead Pride on Twitter, at Reese Nichols, at NateCH32, and at Price Carter on Twitter. And we'll be back with y'all next week for more Kingdom Keys. See y'all later. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.